You are listening a Red FM original. Guts, glory, gumption. The voice of Indian sports with Rika Roy on the Red FM podcast network. Shrihari, thank you very, very much for joining me on this podcast. We are calling Guts, Glory, Gumption, celebrating the Indian sports people, their achievement and their road to Tokyo. And uh, firstly, big congratulations for coming this distance that you have come. Uh, you've achieved B qualification for the Tokyo Games. Tell us what does B qualification means and how far are you from reaching the Tokyo mark? Yeah, first of all, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's a great honor to be a part of the show. So there are two qualifying months, it's the A and the B. And the A is the 16th place of the last Olympics. So the 16th place of the Tokyo Olympics. And the B is, I think, about a percentage added to the time. I'm not very sure about that, but it's slightly slower. And uh, A is a confirmed spot at the Olympics. And uh, whereas the B, it's not as confirmed as the A. So I achieved the B qualifying for the first time in 2019 and uh, in swimming there are uh, there's a point system and the faster we swim the more points we get. So I've been getting more points uh, through the years and uh, right now I'm 0.22 milliseconds away uh, from the A qualifying time. So 0.22 millisecond away from the Tokyo qualifying mark. Can you break that down a little bit for my listeners? Because not yeah. everyone will be uh, familiar with the swimming terminologies. 0.22 milliseconds is less than a quarter of a second. It's, hmm. it's as quick as blinking your eyes, maybe quicker. It's hmm. like snapping your fingers. That's how quick it is mm-hmm. and that's how much faster I need to get to have a confirmed spot for Tokyo. And how much time do you think uh, that will take you to get there? Do you still have the time to in fact uh, go for the qualification? Yeah, so the last day for swimming qualifying ends uh, ends in the end of June. So I have a couple of more chances. It is very unfortunate that it didn't happen in my meet last week in Uzbekistan. We felt it was going to happen. I felt ready. I thought when I finished, when the way the swim fell, I thought it was done. Uh, but then we sat down with, the, uh, with my coach, uh, Nihar Amin, and uh, with a sports scientist from the US, uh, Dr. G. And uh, there were a few things that we could have done differently, which would have guaranteed the qualify. But uh, all of them felt I'm ready and I should have got it done. So we are very confident that the, the next time I race, it's definitely happening. But in Uzbekistan, you also got a gold medal. Yeah, uh, I got and two it goals. was a f- two goals and it was a FINA accredited uh, yeah. event. Tell us, you know, what was your uh, experience of having taken part? Because what I understand is the field would have been the Olympic field as well. It wasn't the highest level of competition I've raced against. I've swam in meets where the level of competition was a lot higher. I had a good competitor from Turkmenistan and I know I've been racing with him for a few years. And uh, yeah, it was a good meet overall. And uh, since you said that your qualification can be as late as June and the Olympics are slated in July, does that mean that going from now into June and into the Olympic Games, then that gives you the time to peak during the Games? Yeah, Yeah, there's enough time for that. And Shrihari, the event that you take part in is 100 meter backstroke, right? That's your pet event. That's my pet event. Yeah. So is that the only event that you do or there are other events that you take part in as well? 
So I'm usually a fan of swimmer who can swim multiple events. I swim freestyle, I swim backstroke. Usually stick to the sprint distance, 50, 100 and 200. So I swim freestyle, backstroke, sometimes fly. I can swim the IM races too. And uh, when it comes to the nationals and things like that, usually I take part in every single relay that's there as well uh, to help the team. So, but for now, because of the Olympics being the main priority, we're focusing just on the 100 backstroke. And four of you are there in the team who are doing similar thing, right? 100 meter backstroke. No, I was the only one who swam it in uh, Turkmenistan. Okay. But there are four swimmers uh, who are on the verge of qualification for the games, Not right? Not in 100 backstroke. Not in 100 backstroke. In, okay. different events, in different events. Yeah. In different, in different events. Yeah. Uh, Shreeri, let me ask you about Indian swimming in general. Do you think that the Indian swimmers are now at a stage when they can get, you know, medals from the world meet more regularly? See, when people talk about Indian swimming, the thing that a lot of us don't realize is we have a lot of talent. We've had some good results in the past and the, the world level at the Asian level. I personally know two Asian game medalists as very well, Sandeep Sejwal and Dildavul Kade. They're very good friends of mine and my seniors. And a lot of people say Indian swimmer, Indians don't have the genetics to swim and things like that. But then you look at people like Dildavul Kade, Sandeep and me, we're all like 6'1", 6'2", I'm 6'3". And you are 6'3", right? I'm, I'm close to 6'4", Dildavul is my height okay. as well. And then Dildavul is ripped and muscular and huge. And I mean, you look at him, you you don't sit and complain that Indian swimmers don't have the genetics. We definitely mm-hmm. have a lot of people with good genetics, good talent, good technique. It's just sometimes the right guidance is in there, but I can't complain about that because I have the best guidance available now. I'm training in the best facility available, probably around one of the best around the world. And then now I'm even part of the top scheme. So I have all the uh, support, financial support that I need. And because of the past few years, uh, the swimming has been more uh, open to the uh, eyes of the public uh, through the media. And uh, that's also a big boost in terms of sponsorships and things like that. I know that it's going to take hell for me to, you know, go to the Asian Games next year and come back with two or three medals, hopefully a gold. It's going to take hell. But I know that it's that's going to happen. And I've reached a point or push my body to that much, take so much pain. And I like right now, I was just telling one of my friends yesterday, I'm at a point where I'm not going to training every day in the morning and evening because, okay, this is why I, I have to go and there's a coach there. But I'm enjoying going there, putting my body through pain every single day. And that's something that I've seen a lot of people don't want to do because I didn't, nobody wants to put their body through pain, but then it does make a difference. That's the passion then, uh, the, yeah. the difference between being passionate and being pushed to do something that yeah. you're not passionate about. Shiri, I have to ask you, since you are a swimmer and my all-time favorite Olympian is Michael Phelps. Mm-hmm. Has any part of his journey, you must have followed his journey yeah, too, yeah. has any part of his journey inspired you or have you taken notes from what he has done and because he's been a journey full of ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he's been through a journey full of ups and downs. But the most important thing that I took from that is, again, his work ethic. I, mm-hmm. I, he's worked like, he's one of the most hard, he's one of the hardest working workers in any sport. And it's, I mean, Generally, a lot of people might not think I'm a hard worker, but it's, it's the way I train. 
it's like his coach and i've heard his coach in videos of course tell that he had a challenge just by just to make him make sure that he's pushing him enough and that's the kind of swimmer that i try to be in training every day i try to push myself to such a level where i'm really good at practice and things like that you know we have heard of these michael phelps stories the legendary stories like him consuming 10000 calories mm. a day and then mm. burning that in the pool how many do you consume and what is the scientific standard really of you guys consuming x number of calories to yeah. reach the, yeah <laughs> yeah so that's that's a funny story because um, he actually said that he he did not consume 10000 12000 calories a day mm-hmm. uh, he was around 8 to 10 but still, that's still a lot of foods and you'll generally find that swimmers eat a lot and uh, i'm someone that a lot of people are shocked by when they see me eat so basically we need that much calories because we burn that much and we need to make sure we don't lose weight or lose muscle and so that our bodies have enough energy to go through the training sessions so there was a point where i was at 7500 calories a day but i was like 3 or 4 years younger than what i am now So that's how much I was eating, and uh, I was, might have been burning that much. Uh, now I do not eat that much. I'm about, I'm, I think I'm about five thousand, six thousand calories a day. But you know, again, the calories—it's just not about. You can get calories. You go have a box of donuts, and you get all the calories that you need. But it's not about uh, the number of calories. It's also about the nutrients that you put into your body. We Indians are big on sweets. Do you have a sweet tooth? Yeah, a very, very big sweet tooth. And and do you take sweets? What kind of sweets do you take? Um, What are you permitted to take? There is no rules that uh, my nutritionist of course has given me. They just want me to stay off sugar most of the time. But uh, my coach has said that I could have an occasional uh, cheat meal maybe once a week and things like that. Uh, right after a session, like if I'm really craving a piece of chocolate after a session, he said that won't cause any harm. For me, if it's sweet, it goes in. I come from a family uh, that loves sweets. There was a point where I wouldn't sleep without having a scoop of ice cream every night. <laughs> that was yeah, till 2007. My you know, my freezer used to always have ice cream stocked in it. It's not mm-hmm. the case anymore. So I'm a lot more controlled with that now. I have my cravings, I have my wants, but I've been controlling quite well for the past five six months. Okay, so let me ask you with. swimming with all of you swimmers one of the big thing in your training it's not just technical training mm-hmm. it's also your diet and which has to be scientifically monitored now do you get help from someone to kind of figure that part out that's also yeah. because yeah i have pre- preparation is as big as training yeah i have a nutritionist uh, her name is mangla i've been working with her since 2017 it's not like a very strict like okay i have to eat this at this time and this much initially i kind of was hesitant to listen to her because i was scared and was still addicted to sweets but now i understand the difference that it makes and uh, yeah it's about you know <clears throat> just making sure what you eat works and um, making sure that you don't overdo anything like okay on the way, on i just came back from uzbekistan and on the way on the uh, in the airport while going and on the way back i had a burger at mcdonald's but mm-hmm. that's okay because it's one burger i've stopped at i stopped at one maybe two burgers and i'm going to burn it but if i'm going to go have a burger every day then that's going to mm-hmm. be an issue so it's not that big of a problem like most people say it is you just make sure you eat the right things at the right time 
Sherry, there's a story about you that I was reading that you went to one of the games and you were sitting in a dining dining room, and when it came to the uh, dessert counter, your friends deserted you. Yeah, yeah, uh, not. It was this is uh, with in Formula Games with Virdavall, so we had the meals and stuff, and then I just walked up to the desserts and picked up, and I had came back with a plate full of <laughs> brownies and pastries and things like that, and he had one tiny piece, but that's about it. And I did this for every meal, lunch and dinner. So and what you were seventeen years old at that I time, 16, I, I think sixteen. Yeah, seventeen. Yeah. Seventeen. Probably I'm seventeen. Sixteen. Yeah. Seventeen. Yeah. 17. And yeah. And that's usually how I eat at home too. Like I don't uh, ha- I, this mm-hmm. ice cream and chocolate all the time at home. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, what what bigger difference is it going to make? But then I found <laughs> a way of eating, and he's someone I've known for since I was a kid, and he's done everything that there is to. He's done. Uh, he's done. He's up there when it comes to Indian swimming. So, and that's when I realized, okay, this is these are things that I can change, which could make a difference. And the very next games that I traveled with him, I just started having the same things that he did. That was the Asian Games. That was the actually not the Asian Games. It was the very next year actually. It took me a year. It was in the World Championships. Okay. Yeah. So you've gone to the Commonwealth Games, to the World Championships. Asian, Asian games. games as well. Yeah, and the Youth Olympics. And the Youth Olympics. Okay, so you've been to five major multidisciplinary games. So Olympics yeah. is not going to be the first time that you're going no. to step into a village and no. be overawed by no, no. you know the I wasn't order even in, of the I wasn't games. even at Commonwealth Games. Don't get starstruck or overwhelmed by all of these things. I'm like, okay, big deal. What's gonna happen? Not even if you get to see Michael Phelps, you won't Not get starstruck. Oh, all. I was massively starstruck. You know, I did an interview with him, and oh, okay. I was, I was most of the time, you know, kind of trying to figure out his reactions <laughs> because he spoke mostly about mental health and yeah. you know his recovery I mean, from swimming. I might, I might go and say if I meet him, I might take a photo, but that's about it. <laughs> no, that's there's, a good thing because one moment. Yeah, no, because anyone. a lot of athletes say that when they get into the village for the first time, yeah. they're overawed by what Olympics has to offer yeah. and yeah. just the aura of it. Seeing, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, seeing Rafael Nadal and yeah. Roger Federer in the same dining oh, yeah, room that, as you, Serena Williams, and all. Yeah. Yeah, there are a few people I might get struck by. Then maybe tell me the names people. now. <laughs> Rafael Nadal, Lionel Messi, okay. and wow. Steve Jobs. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so these these are time. like your idols, sporting Steve idols. Jobs. Yeah, main not, not Steve. Jobs. I'm not talking about Steve Jobs, but yeah. Messi and Nadal. Yeah. yeah, but the main idol is Steve Jobs because he demanded perfection with everything that he did, and that's what I try to do as well. Okay. So is it the quest that you have every day, quest for perfection? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Your quest for perfection. So, like for me, at the end of the day, I just want to, you know. For me, it's all about being perfect, doing the things the right way, doing the things the way I want to do it, going into the pool, making sure what I do is going according to plan and things like that. So at the end of the day, I'm trying to be perfect with what I'm doing. And but are you just, hard on yourself at times in doing so? Yeah, but and do you feel I, that that you're being hard on yourself? No, but because like, see, I might try something, but I might not be able to do it. I might be hard on myself, but I also later realized that. Okay, I did the best I could, and I failed. So I try to do it again the next time because Uzbekistan was not my last, was not the last race of my career. I missed the mm-hmm. effort. I was disappointed, but okay, I was fine. And I, uh, half an hour, I did my swim down. 
cool down, go stretched, got a release from the physio. And it's fine. I went out to dinner with my coach. It is fine. We were normal. Because at the end of the day, hmm. you're always going to get another chance. Most of the time. Right. Tell me, how did swimming happen to you? And at what stage did you take up swimming and re- you, you realized that this was going to be, this is where you belong? I was two. I did not take up swimming. Uh, oh, I swam into okay. the water <laughs> because my brother used to swim. Mom used to take me to the pool. It's it's and like a Michael Phelps story, though. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that, but a lot. Yes, early. the mother threw the kid into the pool to yeah, make early. him learn swim yeah. swimming yeah, so that he doesn't drown. Mom wanted me to learn. Mom wanted me to just you know tire out in the pool so that I don't. Dis- I know I was very mischievous as a kid. I was running around, getting into. Unwanted fights with other small kids, <laughs> things like that. So that's how it started. And mm-hmm. my first competition was at the age of four, and then mm-hmm. I won. So then I got addicted. I think I got addicted to the taste of winning. So okay, yeah. At so, four, did you even understand what winning meant? I mean, I got a medal, so I think I kind ah. of understood. I think the medal kind of made me understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but I think about 2013. 12 13 14 is when i really you know understood realized that okay this is something i want to do this is why i'm here this is what i'm supposed to do and that's when i got a lot more serious about it what point did you think of taking it up professionally becoming a 14, swimmer for life at the age okay. of 14 15 15 mostly 14 15 yeah and by that time you were dominating the nationals yeah yeah not yeah kind of not the seniors hmm. but yeah What about your parents? Did they think that you are meant to have a career in swimming and and then so they let, you know channelize you? They didn't tell me anything. They they supported me the best they can and they've done everything. They were very supportive. They got me. They made they got to school, made sure I got the permission to skip school, got my notes, things like that. Even my school was very supportive that way, and my college is too right now. I would there have been times when I didn't. I went to went to an exam without even knowing what exam it was. And <laughs> they, they haven't told me. They haven't told anything. What are you studying right now? I'm doing my BA in economics, psychology, and sociology. And with the Olympics preparation, how is that coming along? I'm not even sure what's going on in BA economics, psychology, <laughs> and sociology. And why did you pick these subjects? Because they um, align with what you do. It's a little easier compared to the other courses, uh, and hmm. uh, it feels quite natural. It was something that. I don't know now, but it was something I was interested in when I was a couple of years ago when I took the course. Uh, now I'm just least bothered. <laughs> Shishri, yeah. let me ask you. You know, a big part of uh, being a sports person and mm-hmm. winning medals at the highest level is also having a certain kind of stability in life. Because the reason I'm asking you this question is that Michael Phelps has very openly talked about. depression and mm-hmm. um, you know having a sound mental health mm-hmm. is that something you work on as well along with uh, your technicality in terms of swimming preparation going to meets and you know having a balanced life is that something you work on not exactly see like for me uh, when it comes to mental health in the water I've never had any issue. Uh, I come across overconfident, so that's how confident I am. That's how I am in the pool, and it's also making me like that in outside the water as well. Generally, a very confident uh, person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what needs to be done, what has to be done. I follow my instincts and things like that. 
So mm-hmm. I've never really, you know, taken time out to go and meet a psychologist or a mind trainer and work on that. Everything's been going well, that's what. Uh, and I don't think as it I, should I, be. I, I, and everything's as it should be. So I don't see the point of all that. And mm-hmm. I'm actually not a big fan of this psychology and mind trainers and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, there'll be a need for some people. There won't be a need for some others. So. Yes, different people are built differently and structures are different. Uh, let me ask you, you just mentioned uh, earlier in the interview that you're a part of the top scheme. Yes. What difference then does it make to your preparation by being a part of the top scheme? Being a part of the top scheme, uh, thanks to Sai, is the, the biggest benefit is the financial part of it is completely taken care of. I do not have to worry about being uh, of whether I can afford to get the best equipment or to, whether I can afford to race at this meet or uh, train at a certain place or uh, uh, things like that. It's uh, mm-hmm. all taken care of and that makes a big difference because most Indians almost do not have access to the best facilities. Right. Uh, thankfully, we have the Padukone Center now, which is the best facility in the country, probably one of the best in the world. It already makes a difference in my starts and things like that. And then there's a, there's a sports science aspect to it as well. So there's the ABTP center. So that's going to make a difference. And if it's just not the ABTP center, I can always have, uh, count on tops to make sure uh, to fund me for sports science access anywhere in the world. Like if I had to go to Dr. G, I don't know if you heard Dr. G was a sports scientist that came down to uh, Bangalore. You, yeah. You just mentioned about him. Yes. Yeah. So I could, my coach knows him well. So we could always. You know, if he needed to go to go to his place, it's also a high altitude training center where he's, where he's based off. So we could go there and train and, you know, make use of his facilities if needed with the help of tops. So would you say that today when we look at Indian swimmers, the difference from the past is their access to sports science because swimming is also one discipline that yeah. needs a lot of scientific assistance yeah. in terms of preparation. Yeah, I mean, the the support is a lot more now. And we're all lucky that we have this kind of support right now. Shrihari, thank you very, very much for joining me on the thank podcast. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And I wish you all the very best for your qualification. Bring thank India you. a bag full of medal in the next few years. Right. Thank, you. thank you. Stay well. Thank you much. You too. You were listening a Red FM original. Guts, glory, gumption. The Voice of Indian Sports with Rika Roy on the Red FM Podcast Network.